Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. Today we are discussing COVID government stimulus and the effects on bonding and insurance. At the Contractor Success Forum, we discuss financial strategies for running a more profitable, successful construction business. And in one corner, we have Wade Carpenter, Carpenter and Company CPAs. And in the other corner, we have Stephen Brown, McDaniel Whitley Bunny and Insurance Agency. And in the other corner, we have Rob Williams with Iron Gate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. So how does this COVID government stimulus affect the bonding and insurance man this is this is a crazy topic right now well just two quick points i wanted to make the first one is that if you're a contractor and your profit last year completely was made up of ppp money then you need to talk to your bond agent about how it's going to affect your bond program for next year because there's more work than ever right now that are requiring a surety bond so that's an important thing and then the second thing was from an insurance standpoint, just simply, when you use PPP money for employees that aren't working or that you pay with PPP money, you need to make sure you classify those employees under a code 0012 for workers' comp purposes, because you don't have to pay workers' comp on that PPP money. So don't That's forget that. that. Yes, that could be a chunk of money for you. How much money did the contractor success for them just make all those people that didn't know that? I don't know. Do we get any PPP money? We should, I, I, Wait, well, did you get it? And we haven't seen it. No. <laughs> yes. For our, all of our employees in the background on the contractor success form, we get all this money, but how much money do we make for our listeners? Just right there. That's just, that was a great tip, Stephen. Absolutely. Well, huge. well thank huge. you. Wade. Now it's time for you to kind of debunk all these uh, loans, incentives, tax credits that are going on and what may be a good idea. I don't even know what all these are. There's so many different things, and I've pretty much left that for the account. And they have all these acronyms that you have to remember. All that stuff makes me crazy. So what's out there? Well, there's a lot of things, not just the PPP money. Since COVID hit, there's been some big things that have come out where the government has either given loans or grants or forgiven loans for things like the PPP money. So I guess we can kind of take those one by one if that's all right. Yeah. I, I do think there's a lot more things to think about. Let's start with what you said, the PPP money. So the Paycheck Protection uh, Program Act, that basically was a situation where we're going to pay to continue paying your employees. So if you continue to do that, then you basically kept your employees, and whether they were working or not, got to retain those employees. They kept a paycheck and you got reimbursed for it. Well, the reality is a lot of contractors, some slowed down, some didn't. A lot of contractors kept going when we were shut down in 2020. And if you kept your guys working, the reality of it was you just got reimbursed for your labor. So it was free money. It wasn't for everybody, but, you know, other industries, but for contractors that kept working, you got your labor reimbursed and you got this money sitting over there that eventually became non-taxable. So that's one starting point on that. There's other situations where just sticking with a PPP loan, and I'm just kind of spitballing here, but you know, I did have a contractor that had a payroll of about 300,000 in 2019 and he two partners split up. Well, the other partner didn't have any work. 
So he came in to COVID and he needed cash. And he got the loan for the payroll that he had in 2019, $300,000. But his wow. payroll may have been $60,000, $70,000. Yeah. Wow. So, so what happens when it's not forgiven? Well, the reality of it is the government made it a loan at 1% interest. And you had two years to pay it back. So it propped up a lot of these contractors and in the situation I'm talking about, even though they had to pay it back, it was cheap money and it propped up some contractors um, and helped get them working capital when they needed it. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so yeah, I guess we can go into another one when, when you had to pay it back and when you didn't, that's always been pretty confusing. Yeah. And as it, turned out they went through so many different rounds of what's going to happen with this and who has to essentially everybody under a $150,000 loan, they forgave it all. There is some, I know Stephen, we were talking about, I think the bonding company wants to make sure that it was forgiven. Yeah. They want a copy of that forgiveness letter to wipe it off your books as a debt. Otherwise they're going to show that in their financial analysis. Yeah. They have no other choice. They don't know. And speaking from our standpoint, doing tax returns and things like that on the forgiveness, I mean, we asked for those letters and a lot of times the banks were horrible about giving those letters or reaching out to the SBA, depending on who your lender was. So definitely go get those forgiveness letters. So what happened on those loans when they forgave those? So like the 300,000, in his case, it was actually a loan. Yeah. Well, if you, if you get it forgiven though, you, then you have to pay taxes on that. Yeah. But eventually they came out and finally determined that it is not taxable. But the other question before about this time last year, if you got something that's non-taxable and you got expenses that were used against it, is that deductible? Oh yeah. Long story short, yes, they eventually made the expenses deductible. Wow. And I won't get too geeky about that, but you know, when those expenses are treated, it can have a difference in your basis and, and taxability for the contractor too. So I won't even go into that part. For the Yeah, we'll state. have a separate episode for that one. That's pretty yeah. interesting. <laughs> well, that would probably bore everybody tears, but anyway. What about incentive loans out there, Wade? Well, so there was some other things out there like the, you see them EIDL loans. They stand for Economic Injury Disaster Loans. And so there was actually two parts of that as well. Well, a few different rounds of it. When they were trying to first figure out what was going to go on with this, they threw out a program and they said, if you've got employees, apply for it. And what they ended up doing was they gave you $1,000 per employee, essentially, up to 10 employees. So they would give you $10,000. And that eventually became, that's a grant. You don't have to pay it back. So wow. essentially that turned out to be another gimme. It wasn't huge, but it was a nice little shot in the arm for them. But the rest of it, like the EIDL loans, this was a special part of the SBA where they were allowed to make loans where a traditional SBA loan can cost you a ton of money and you have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. Well, basically they made it very easy to get them. And first round, they typically could get up to $150,000. You had to apply tell them what your revenue was, but the terms on these loans are 3.75% interest and they had a 30 year term. Wow. So that's stupid money, easy capital. And 
what I believe it did for the balance sheets of these contractors that got them, you pumped up cash and working capital, but the majority of whatever your loan was is just sitting in long-term liabilities. Yeah. So it wow. definitely pumped up your working capital and it propped up a lot of these contractors at a the time they needed it. And I would think it would really pump up your bonding capacity. Stephen can probably talk more about like base it on working capital and you base it on equity. Right. Only 12 months worth of that 30-year loan would be a ding against your working capital. So definitely it helps you get bonding. Yeah. It did kind of throw the debt to equity ratios way out of whack for some people, but I, I believe people were like, well, hey, we got this working capital. The reason I bring that up, after they did this first round, they came back and said, we can do some more. And a lot of them took it up to half a million dollars on these EIDL loans. And I saw several do that. Some of my contractors went back and asked for a third round. So they've had three modifications on the, the loans at $600,000, $700,000 or a little more. But it's been a shot in the arm for some of my contractors that has done it. And I know we're talking about it now, but we're getting past the time where you, you can't really apply for these anymore. But those that treated this properly and said, this is permanent working capital, got a huge leg up on scaling their company and having the cash. So many contractors bootstrap their company and they're always struggling for working capital. Well, this was a huge shot in the arm for some people that treated it right. I think one really interesting question for a contractor that may not know about this is looking at the bonding companies. How do you guys look at that? Some of the contractors might think, oh, well, I didn't use any of that, so I should look better. Or these guys used all this stuff. They shouldn't look as good as I am. But I believe, Stephen, y'all are good with that, aren't you? Tell me about uh, it. Yes, yes. We're good with giving you credit for that, for increasing your working capital. And again, guys, working capital is current assets minus current liabilities, and it's your liquidity. And so when you have a long-term debt that provides cash or liquidity to help you with your operating expenses, then you've got to decide, how am I going to use that influx of money? Well, number one, if you were going to have to borrow money from the bank for a short period of time to help cash flow a project, well, you've got the money where you don't have to pay that interest expense to the bank. There's profit for you right there. We've talked before, if you have a big influx of cash, how do you manage it when you've got all that cash sitting around? You should have a firm plan in place for what you're going to use it for and how you're going to use it and communicate that to your bonding company. They'll appreciate it. Yeah. So when somebody comes with you, they don't need to try to kind of cover up that they're cash was from this it, it, just lay it out no, there i had it'll show up on your financial statement yeah. certainly yeah i was talking to a guy and he was talking about this and i felt like he was sort of hiding that from me recently it's, don't, don't hide that you know it's no embarrassment to borrow money at 3.75 percent because of inflation who knows yeah. what it's going to be next year yeah when i saw the profits let's say this guy had a really good profit thing but if you took that government money out he wasn't profitable but you guys are looking at that as this was COVID and you probably can't tell one company the next. Was it really, did they suffer something from COVID, but this was profit and that's what y'all care about. They got profit. Well, and you don't get the loan unless you have the sales to substantiate it, the amount. So the two go hand in hand. Yeah. One other part on the PPP, going back to that, there was a second round of that. Essentially, it turned out the same way. If you got the second round, there was, if you could show that you were hurt or down by 25% in one of the quarters in 2020, 
So there was a lot of people that got a second round of that. So they got a second shot in the arm on that. I've seen some abuse of that. But, you know, the government has, has done a fair job of trying to crack down on that stuff. One of the other things that you've probably seen out there is the employee retention tax credit. You may have seen ERTC or ERC. And there are people hyping this thing because, quite frankly, it's stupid money. It's, it's a government giveaway. Now, there are some rules around that. And what it was designed to do was help these industries where people were really devastated, restaurant industries, hotels, things like that, to where they were basically reimbursing the payroll. It became like up to 70% of their wages. There was a couple of different rounds of that. It's now stopped, but it may not be too late to go back and claim some of that. Now, this is a little different from the PPP where you can still deduct the wages against the PPP loan. You can't do that with the ERTC, but when you're getting 70% of what you're paid back is basically free money. And people were getting 40, 50,000, 60. I mean, some of the bigger companies were getting 100,000. Now, the one thing that I would point out for contractors, a lot of the contractors did not qualify. So if you're seeing these out there, your CPA firm is hyping these or trying to shove some of this down your throat, you really need to ask, did you really qualify? Because one of the most overlooked provisions of that is the fact that you had to demonstrate that you couldn't say pivot and go work from home or a lot of contractors could keep going. They were working out in the field. I did see some shut down doing like interior build out or like doing something for a city that shut them down. But by and large, a lot of the contractors did not qualify because of that. But that was another huge shot in the arm where they're getting money it cut into their tax deduction, but it was another huge injection of working capital when some of the contractors needed it. Well, our listeners just need to be aware of everything that's out there right now. Best place to go for advice on that is your CPA. I would say without a doubt, who do I contact to learn more about this and what I'm eligible? Well, you need to contact your CPA. Right. Yeah. So any more points on this, Wade? Well, I have one more point. There was one other provision of the ERTC that I had one person that was able to take advantage of. And even contractors could do this. If you started a business after February 15th of 2020, and don't quote me on that date, but it's somewhere around that, and you had payroll, there was a special provision for startup businesses around ERTC. You didn't have to provide proof of anything. So for third and fourth quarters of 2021, you could get up to 70% of your wages. There's some provisions about the owner pay and family and stuff like that. We did not count, but again, it was additional working capital that even contractors could get. You didn't have to prove any of that stuff. So these were huge capital injections. And what I'm hoping is a lot of the contractors took it to heart and didn't just go buy that $100,000 Ford pickup truck that even was talking about earlier. Don't waste the opportunity. This is a huge opportunity for you to grow your bonding capacity, your company in general, and get to that next level. Good point. Well, those are some great points. Is is that the wrap up today, Wade? (laughs) I think so. I mean, like I said, I was just kind of talking off the cuff on some of these programs. So I know there's a lot of things that I may have left out. I left out a lot of points. So definitely go talk to your own CPA about these programs. If you're trying to qualify for them now, you may be a little past the date, but 
you know, back to SBA loans, the day you got those forgiven, that makes a difference for tax purposes. So get copies of those forgiveness letters. And that's all I got to say on that. I, I hope everybody benefited from that. And well, it's a huge point for just about everybody these days or regret if you didn't get them. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks a lot for listening today. Go to our show notes and go to contractorsuccessforum.com and you can see links to all these great things, how to get in contact with us or how to ask us questions or get more information on these episodes. Each episode has its own little section out there too. So thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you on the next Contractor Success Forum.